I'm Matt O'Donnell, and Inside Story starts right now. Good morning, everyone. I'm Matt O'Donnell. It is Sunday, March 24, 2019, and this is Inside Story. Our newsmaker this morning, Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware and the only Democrat not running for president. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to start with that. Uh, honestly, we have 16 announced candidates wow. that are Democrats. We have 10 more who are considering. You add that together, that is more than the entire Delaware State Senate. <laughs> are there too many on the Democratic side? Uh, well, at this stage in, in every presidential cycle that's wide open, um, you'll see an incredible array of candidates. Um, what's missing, I think, is Joe Biden. Uh, I really hope uh, that former Vice President Biden, former Senator Biden, will jump into this race. If he does, I think he will um, clear the decks um, in terms of a couple of the folks who are considering getting in as well. Um, I think he has the right combination of values, of experience, of heart, uh, of connection um, to working families across our country. And I think he'll answer the most important question of the 2020 presidential election, which is, if you're president, how will my life be better? That's the question I think uh, he'll focus on, and he'll give a positive and forward-looking answer. You said a couple weeks ago he was 95% there. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's 98% now. We've been hearing maybe he's going to have his headquarters in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. maybe an announcement in Scranton. Maybe he's talked to Beto O'Rourke and Stacey Abrams about serving as his running mate, doing that early. What have you heard? Um, I've heard he continues to make plans and decisions that um, have to get uh, put to rest before he can make a public announcement. Uh, and he's got a lot of uh, bold ideas he's considering about how he might launch and exactly where and why. Um, recently, he gave a compelling speech in Delaware um, about the fight for the soul of America that I thought was a great message, um, that at the end of the day, this isn't just about um, how do we strengthen health care and our schools and um, get better jobs and deal with the opioid crisis, although those are real problems. It's also about who do we want to be as a country. Um, what do we want to show the world? What do we want to show our children about how we conduct ourselves in public life? Um, and I think Joe has the kind of record and optimism um, going forward and the ability to lead um, that the average American's hungry for. One more question about the presidential race. You have some Democratic presidential candidates who are suggesting ending lifetime appointments for Supreme Court justices, mm -hmm. abolishing the Electoral College. Some may call that sour grapes, given that Democrats haven't had too much success with either of those institutions. Do you feel that your party is moving a little bit too far to the left, at least when it comes to these candidates in the field? Well, there are some proposals um, that I don't support that I think uh, are out there. Um, but that's part of the point of democracy, is to have a wide open and vigorous debate, um, to let folks in our primary electorate and then in the general election say, I want a candidate who's going to be um, bold and decisive on climate change, or I want a candidate who's going to make access to health care their top priority. That's the point of an election. So, um, you know, I don't think we're going to see a fundamental reordering of the Electoral College or the Supreme Court anytime in the next couple of months. Um, mostly what we're seeing is uh, proposals by candidates, uh, and that's one of the best things about democracy is folks get to weigh in uh, and float ideas and see, see what catches on. Senator, you've seen what happened in New Zealand with the massacre there, and unfortunately, many people in many other parts of the world actually witnessed it happening right. by simply going on Facebook. There was a live stream of this. 4,000 people watched it as it happened. Videos of this attack are still on social media days later. I, in fact, went on and found some on Twitter. They're horrific. They're barbaric. 
broadcasters, when they have content that's offensive to people, uh, that, that is racist, that is incorrect, uh, broadcasters can be cited, we can be fined, we can lose our license. Should it be different for the social media companies in that regard? I think it's time for a closer look at regulation of platforms like Facebook. Um, I do think they should have a delay, um, just as you do as a broadcaster, so that if something like this uh, horrific mass murder is being live streamed, it's possible to intercept it and stop it before it gets. Uh, or someone would to check a post before mm -hmm. it makes it to the site. Mm -hmm. One of the challenges, though, of course, is um, making sure we also don't have. Uh, censorship of thing. One of the greatest things about social media is how raw and live and real and human it is. Uh, one of the most challenging things about it is how raw and live and real and human it is. And in this case, um, that broadcast was in furtherance of a truly evil end, um, which was the the goal of the the mass murderer in New Zealand, uh, was to inspire others uh, to take up arms and to and to murder uh, innocents. So. Um, I, I do think it's time for us in Congress to look at Facebook and at other platforms and whether they shouldn't be subject to some of the same regulations that uh, other broadcasters in the United States are held up to. Break them up? Do you that? That is something we're going to, I know, seriously debate. Um, uh, I'm part of the um, Judiciary Committee, um, which has had some hearings on privacy and on how we protect individuals' privacy and whether or not um, the, the businesses, Google and Facebook, that make a fortune off of selling your personally identifying information uh, ought to have some, some bumpers and some, um, some restrictions on how much they can do with our information without our knowledge. The U.S. Treasury Secretary and the Trade Representative will travel to China this week for more talks on trade. How worried are you about an outright trade war breaking out between the United States and China? And, you know, of course, in Delaware, you have your pharmas, your financials, your farms. How would that impact them? Uh, well, we're in it now. Um, President Trump has imposed, as you know, uh, billions and billions of dollars on tariffs, which are really taxes that are paid by consumers. On uh, First, it was steel and aluminum, and now it's a wide range of products. And President Trump recently said those tariffs may be in place uh, for an indeterminate period. Um, I hope um, that this visit to China, that this ongoing trade war with China will result in real changes in the ways in which China has stolen our inventions, our innovation, um, and has um, grown at our expense. So, you know, I do think it's the right thing to be doing, to be challenging um, China's uh, innovation mercantilism. Um, but I'm gravely concerned about what happens to our economy, what happens to our automakers, what happens to our uh, consumer goods manufacturers if these tariffs stay in place too long and if we get uh, locked out of um, the promise of the market of China as well. You have two children in college. You've seen what happened with the school cheating scandal. Yep. What does Congress need to do to prevent things like that from happening again? Um, well, first, that investigation needs to play out uh, without interference from Congress. But um, it is a reminder of just how desperate um, some parents are, even to the point of doing um, illegal and immoral acts, bribing people, um, creating um, fake admissions for folks as if they were athletes when they weren't. Um, we need to look at access to higher education and finding ways to make it uh, more fair and more affordable. Um, I'm going to introduce a bill this coming week um, that would create a universal national service opportunity um, and connect that to um, affording higher education so that 
any young person who wants to spend two years of their life in service to our uh, community and our country through programs like Teach for America or City Year through AmeriCorps um, would have the opportunity to higher education and reduce some of this uh, in incredible uh, over-competition um, for access to be, uh, to be able to get into elite universities. Quick yes or no, if I can. Will Congress pass any major legislation before the presidential election? Uh, I hope so, yes. Um, you know, we did get a five-year farm bill done uh, at the end of the last Congress, um, so I'm going to stick with yes because I'm an optimist. Senator Chris Coons from Delaware, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, man. And we'll be right back with our panel on Inside Story. Look at that, I snapped my fingers and the panel's right here. Let us meet the insiders of the week. Donna Gentile of Donald Nonprofit Executive. Hello, Donna. Good morning, Matt. Dom Giordano, radio talk show host. Good morning, Hello, Matt. Dom. Nelson Diaz, former Common Pleas Court Judge. Good morning, Matt March. Yes, and Ed <laughs> Terzansky, foreign policy analyst. Hello, Ed. Thanks for joining us. Let's talk real quick about uh, Senator Coons. Looks like Joe Biden's getting into the race. And Senator Coons' main argument is this. This is the guy who can beat Trump you want to beat him, he's got to be the nominee. What do you think? I think that's uh, the consensus, and I share it, but I don't think he gets through the primaries. He's doing a lot of stuff already. What we've seen that's interesting, too, Matt, is he's been so long in his career, a lot of things that we forgot or never knew about, other Democrats are already throwing in. So when he announces, it's going to be quite intense. I think the big problem that Biden is going to face, and I think he is going to face a problem, and there are a few of them, um, in, the, in the money race. So part of the reason I think we've seen this protracted, is he going to run, is he not going to run, is because he has not been able to line up the money. Yeah. I mean, when Sanders announced, $6 bucks. When Beto announced, $6.1 And I think he's legitimately concerned that if he can't demonstrate that kind of, kind of strength financially coming out of the gate, then that's a problem. He's also the only person who's talking about a running mate. To be talking about a running mate at this stage says to me that you're trying to knit something together to make your candidacy more, uh, uh, more acceptable to a big part of the base. And just one word on, on Stacey Abrams. I love Stacey Abrams. I think she should be running for the United States Senate in that open seat in Georgia because we need that seat. Ed Nelson, I want to get you on this. We're going to move on to the Philadelphia mayor's race. As we know, State Senator Anthony Williams is in. Uh, uh, he uh, admits stumbles during his 2015 run where he came in a distant second to Mayor Kenny. Uh, he noted he still lives in his row home in Cobbs Creek. Uh, he promises to talk to people about everyday campaign issues, claims Kenny was, is invisible when he goes to the neighborhoods, and told WHYY of his late entry and little campaign funding, and once again, this comes up, you got to have the money. He doesn't really have a lot. Uh, Senator Williams says, I don't care if I have 10 cents in the bank. Can he move from the charter school guy, which he really isn't anymore, he's not getting funding from that group anymore, mm. to the guy who can take down the Democratic mayor. Well, uh, as I said, it's very difficult to beat an incumbent. It uh, hasn't happened since the charter was uh, instituted back in the 50s. But if anybody would uh, have a chance would be a black candidate, and the question is whether he can get the Northwest. The Northwest is what made uh, Kenny's ability to win. There was only 11 percent turnout both in the primaries and in the general. 51 percent of all the vote came out of the Northwest. Northwest is a middle class, pretty the dominant 
uh, African-American community. And that's the big question. Now, Doc was able to buy the Northwest at the time. Doc's got his problems at this point. So the money is going to be money on both sides. But I bet you that Williams will have a pack also that will do advertisements and other things on TV just like it happened with Doc in the last election. What do you think, Ed? Well, I think Nelson's right on that last point. That, that, that's where we ought to focus. And Donna pointed it out earlier when we were talking about Biden. You really do have to have the means to reach the voters, especially if you have to undo a negative image from the last time. And the mayor is going to hit both um, Senator and uh, Alan Butkovitz very hard on the, the notion that somehow they represent the beverage industry and they are representing mm -hmm. millionaires and billionaires, that sort of thing. You need to defend yourself. You need to get out quickly. And the only way to do that is to have money. I also don't think that uh, that Senator Williams will have a pact this time. I think because the campaigns that he ran previously in which he did have uh, a 527 pact support, uh, both for governor and for mayor, were so badly run that I don't see anybody getting in with that caliber of funding this time mm -hmm. around. I, I think that's not happening. And the mayor's got a good track record. He right. can run on that record. March Madness time. I don't see what the issue is either that with Kenny, this vague sort of stuff. The beverage tax is yeah. the issue to me. These guys are not using it, though. They're not talking about We're it. We're going to get some March Madness in here. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Villanova's still in. Uh, quest for an NCAA title repeat. Some people believe, and we've heard this before, that college athletes should be paid. And Dick Vitale, who's one of the most famous basketball commentators of all time, called March Madness a cesspool. He says the NCAA is a billion-dollar business while the athletes are nothing. We see Zion Williamson risk injury while playing, waiting to go to the NBA. He's forced to wait until he's 19 or he goes through his freshman year of college. Shouldn't the athletes who do all the work get a bigger piece of the pie and not just this scholarship that they're handed, which many of them don't even take advantage of. Some people, some of them don't even go to class the second half of their freshman year and just go right to the NBA. Cynically, I think some of them already are being paid in one way or another, the top, top level, and I'd be okay with it. I agree with what's happening there. The problem is, though, what kind of pay scale? Would everybody right. be on it? <laughs> How would you do that versus the 10th player on the team? Is it like the NBA? If you would do something like that, yeah, why not? The real problem I see is this one and out. And this one or not really doesn't allow them to become educated, one. Two, they have no other reason to stay in school because they're being offered such large amounts of money. So having a salary of some type, I think, would give us somewhat of an incentive for people to stay in school. Why are baseball players allowed to go straight to the pros and not NBA players, not football players? Oh, because baseball has, there, there are some antiquated notions about baseball, and, and I'm a baseball guy, so I consider, anytime anyone asks about March Madness, I say I don't follow minor sports. <laughs> but, you watch the College World Series. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's but right. Um, I, I think, go back to the antitrust exemption and things like that, baseball has just occupied a different place, not just in terms of public consciousness, but legally. And, and on this notion of payment, the key's going to be, how do we spread the money around in an equitable fashion? I would think that you'd pay everyone the same, right? And that could or, cause consternation well, among higher-scoring players, yeah, right. exactly right. like you said, yeah, exactly. at the bench. What do you think, Don? Uh, well, I think it will undermine, uh, to, to all the points that have made here, it will undermine uh, team uh, connectivity. 
So, and, and you know, you, you can have a star player, but if you can't knit that team together, how are you going to win? So I, I think it presents both a, a, a whole series of challenges. There may be some opportunities buried in there, but go Villanova. There's one guy that I'm not really <laughs> popular, that's not really popular in my mind, which is the uh, Kentucky uh, coach, who, Calipari, mm, who always Perry. puts a pretty winning team together no matter what. And they're always freshmen. And they're always freshmen, they're one and out. So a good coach can put some good people together. The problem is there aren't that many great coaches. But if you've got a good coach, and if you pay appropriately, I think you will have an opportunity to have competitive players. And so I, I'm, I'm fully in agreement with that because the university is making so much money on not only the baseball, and baseball don't make anything, but on particularly basketball and football, that someone should be sharing that Except money. Except those sport, all of the other sports that don't they get don't make any March Madness, right. yeah. they depend on that. March Madness makes yeah. almost three quarters yeah. of what the NCAA right. brings in. Right. I want to talk about drugs real quickly and we've heard about these uh, open injection sites where they have doctors and you can actually take illegal drugs it looks like Philadelphia is going to get one possibly later this year if the US Attorney of Philadelphia uh, doesn't stop it um, it would be the first place in the entire United States mm -hmm. where they offer something like this and it would possibly go in the Kensington section of the city which people know is the ground zero of the opioid crisis you think it's going to happen, and you know, your opinion's on whether it should. I do. I like what McSwain has done so far. When he's been on with me, he's talked about, I'm going to go after them civilly, but he held the club out there criminally. And if Ed Rendell is being pushed by these activists, sadly, Matt, I think they're going to go to jail, and they should go to jail. This is a clear violation. You have to change the law if you want to do this. Well, I, th there are public health issues that uh, folks that are well-intended are trying to address in the context of this project. Um, I think that having a U.S. attorney who is on alert and ready to move very aggressively and rapidly in opposition to this is a non-trivial matter. And, you know, the folks that are going to do that, I think, uh, really should be mindful that the consequences, as mm -hmm. Don points out, are, are, are non-trivial. And coincidentally, and perhaps ironically, Pennsylvania and New Jersey are inching closer and closer to legalizing recreational marijuana. There's going to be a bill in the New Jersey legislature introduced possibly tomorrow. There's another bill that's possibly going to be introduced in Harrisburg. Do you sense an irony here where we have this enormous opioid crisis and yet we're going to legalize another drug? Perhaps not as worse. But no, I, I don't. I think people in Jersey are making a rational decision. It's a pro-marijuana state. It has a lot of, I wrote a column about this week, of some of the downside of it. But I, I think vaguely that's one thing. But when we're dealing with this other, we're dealing with something that is clearly against the law. And it's clearly a different realm. You'd have to make the case marijuana is leading to opioid crisis, and I don't think it is. There are very few arrests today on marijuana. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, we have turned an eye the other way relating to people use of it it's still the underground who's making the money let's take that money out of that system and let's put it into the state treasury so that we can pay for the things that we need like schools and education and some of the other infrastructure issues that we need in the state ed you're nodding your head nelson makes the classic argument about prohibition when you prohibit something that everyone wants or lots of people want you wind up creating a black market and that's where organized crime comes in. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think that we have made a turn. 
I still think it's really bad for you, and I, especially the very young, mm -hmm. are gonna wind up suffering as a result of this. I don't see the tide being held back because of all the revenue that's involved. It's almost like a argument. Faustian bargain. Oh, it absolutely is, but it's, it's the, the argument that Nelson just made about what if you continue this way, well, you're still going to have nobody getting arrested, crime. and nobody getting arrested. And right. So I think it's it's important to distinguish, uh, and we have many times on the show, the difference between um, medical applications of cannabis uh, and sure, recreational. Sure, sure. So um, one of the things that I find. Uh, positive is that marijuana has at least now been moved off as the schedule one drug mm -hmm. and it now makes it possible for mm -hmm. real research to happen just so that's meaningful just remember the tax is going to be 42 dollars an ounce though yeah. in new jersey so yeah. well the black market this is going to be a classic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what could still have here? one that i think yeah. we will yes wishful thinking here a freshman in the pennsylvania legislature proposes term limits State Representative Andrew Lewis, a Republican from Dauphin County, wants to prevent lawmakers in either house in Pennsylvania from serving beyond 12 consecutive years. Fourteen colleagues support the measure. So the question is this. What do you value more and fear more, the power of experience or the power of incumbency? Yeah, I, I think... I, I I want to point out something about term limits. I think term limits are an interesting concept, but all that that does is it stabilizes the people who work behind the scenes. So then they, they become the fixed point for managing what the happens. The bureaucracy. Like, yes, yes. I mean, and, mm -hmm. and so it's not like you solve the problem of, of real change because you'd have to rotate decision makers that are behind the scenes in addition to the people that are legislating. Yeah, I, 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 I understand Donna's point, but I'm on the other side. I do think that the careerism that's in politics today has created a set of circumstances where, first of all, it's hard to get legislation done on a national level because everyone's concerned well, about preserving their position. I, I think this is a time who's, or an idea whose time has come. All right, Inside the Story will be right back. It hasn't hurt. Inside the Story of the Week, we start with Donna. So this past week, the city council candidates, the would-be city council candidates, uh, pulled uh, ballot position. The top two candidates uh, are looking really good. They uh, are being aggressively supported by the LGBTQ community, and um, I think their odds are terrific. And uh, Derek Green, who did not pull a great ballot position, I think he is still going to do extremely well. He's, he's done a heck of a job in, the, in his first four years. Right, thanks, Donna. Um, Matt, I uh, believe we're doing too many of these uh, shooter drills, lockdowns in schools, particularly with young kids. I realize what the problem is. And this week was kind of the zenith of this. In Indiana, the Indiana Teachers Association is claiming, and I think it's valid, four teachers in a simulation during one of these lockdowns were shot in the back by cops with pellets and to simulate that you can't cower. That screams of excess. Right. Thanks, Don. Nelson. The Prime Minister of New, New Zealand in six days got legislation to ban the type of shooting guns that were used in that massacre. Not only did she do that, she's holding the companies and social media accountable, and she's arrested two people who have taken the video and passed it on in the social media. Why can't we do that? when we have the killings that we've had in this country. Thank you, Nelson. Ed. Matt, uh, 
General Joe Dunford, head of the Joint Chiefs, is meeting with Google this week over concerns that they are helping China build an AI, artificial intelligence capability, that's putting us at risk. All the tech giants are going to undergo similar scrutiny. Great discussion. Thanks for our panel joining us. Also, thanks to Senator Chris Coons from Delaware for joining us as our newsmaker. I'm Matt O'Donnell. That's Inside Story. We'll see you next week. I'll see you Monday morning on Action News beginning at 4 a.m. Bye-bye.